0: You can also gain access to our found footage show, the Weird Tape series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zeppound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's
2: plushcare.com slash weightloss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.
0: There wasn't much about our childhood that was worth remembering. Nothing besides the fact that Romy and me had been allowed to stay together, if only for a little while. The only possible exception to that spat of misery and abuse was Dr. Edwin Karras, or, as he was sometimes referred to, Uncle Edwin. He was about the only shred of human decency we were exposed to, All the other lab coats just regarded us as test subjects, objects to be handled and then put away when they were done with us. Which was comparatively pleasant to the brutish demeanor of the guards. Doc Karras was kind to us, played with us, protected us. There were even moments in my life when things looked particularly bleak and heartless, and I'd recall the memory of the guy a counterexample to the apathy that seemed almost genetically built into the world. But now this bolgia, this dimension of freak shows and painted monsters, wanted to convince me that my one and only memory of human kindness was just so much smoke and mirrors, just an angle used to get me and Romy to play ball. And honestly, (laughs) it wasn't hard to believe. While I'm generally a fairly analytical guy, I have to admit that I didn't think too hard on the past. Nothing aside from the brief time I'd actually had a family. Picking at scabs was never a good idea, but uh, scraping at undamaged skin was even worse. In the case of Edwin Karras, the kindly kids' doctor, well, (laughs) that was a rock I didn't care to turn over. It was just fine where it was. But now that a light had been shined on the topic a particularly bad light at that. It didn't take too many brain cells to see how it all might have gone down. Like kids in general, we were just two orphans looking for someone to give a shit, and the powers that be took advantage of the fact. I wasn't sure if it was a good or bad thing, but the realization didn't even seem to bother me much. My limited spectrum of emotional responses, probably. The only difference it did make was what I'd do to Karis if I ever saw him again. There was a time I might have smiled and shook his hand for the kindness he'd shown. But now... Well, now I was wondering if I'd use my uh, berettas on him to make it last longer, or if I'd just blast him in half and be done with it. Needless to say, I was coming down on the bulges side of things, that Karis was likely a fake. And honestly... I felt pretty stupid for ever thinking otherwise. As was typical, and despite her initial response to the reveal about Karis, Romy skipped to the more important stuff, the shit that really mattered.
1: I know the Bulge isn't to be trusted, but if there's any truth whatsoever to all that... What did Karis mean, that their work with us could move into the final stages?
0: Hard to say, but either way you slice it, we've got some digging to do once we're back up top. I hated talking about it in front of Shane, but it was hard to be sly about anything while the Bolger was just laying everything out for everyone to see. And it wasn't just Shane I was worried about, but the Silent Legion itself. What sort of shit might they do with all this intel on us? As I was quickly learning, the Esoterium wasn't exactly a homogenous mass of governing mystery, but a bunch of bickering hens, each one likely willing to do whatever it took to get its way. If the Esoterium had a beef with Mesmer's agenda, they'd likely use whatever fodder they could get their hands on to shutter his project. Look, I like a good stroll down memory lane as much as the next guy, but we need to focus on what's at hand. Like, we just run out of doors and hallways.
1: Ah, shit! The place is changing again! Hold on!
0: I'm about sick of this here routine. How about you, Illinois? You tired of this shit yet? I'll take that for a yes. Ugh, the bulge is really pouring it on. Even with the mundane devices pulling for me, I... I think whoever's running the show is making their move. Ugh.
1: Oh, just in time! The pack's at Six Lights! Let's get the hell out of here!
0: The Bolgia was going for broke, trying to break through my pale field, doing whatever an alien dimension does when it doesn't have limitations. Made me think about how lucky we were back in Marrows, where the Bolgia of Endless Night was divided between realities. Granted, this place seemed a lot smaller than the Nightbolgia, but it wasn't as sublimated. We were right down into the guts of the place, with only my power to keep it from running roughshod over the top of us. Uh, looks like playtime is uh, about fucking over. The place is really turning up the juice. Isaiah! I could feel the mundane devices holding me up augmenting my power, and I could feel them beginning to buckle, bones cracking under too much weight. Not only did I need to keep the bolja off of us, but I needed to feel around for the door, the path that led out. Just get ready. The place is changing again. Wish this goddamn shithole make up its mind. The bulge had taken on a different shape, the emergent angles of its new configuration stabbing into my field, trying to pierce what was left of the protective bubble I'd afforded us. On the plus side, given the strength of the bulge's current output, I could feel where its weakest and strongest emanations came from, which gave me a pretty good idea where the exit was. Now what the hell's this place supposed to be? Looks about as inviting as a bowl of pork rinds for a hangover.
1: It's an orphanage. Got pretty used to the one in New Vic. Had to do a few readings there. Not as fancy as this one, though. <laughs> what with its intact ceilings and floors.
0: Romy's assessment notwithstanding, the orphanage, or orphanage-shaped bolgia was a complete dump. And beyond that, it felt like depression on a budget. Misery haunted the air like cigarette smoke at a big stakes poker game. Topping it all off, it was a maze. Rooms and halls crisscrossing all over the place. Lucky for us, I could see the silk thread for the labyrinth. Which way, Agent Man? Just follow me. I got a bead on the staircase.
1: You gonna be okay?
0: Yeah, yeah, place let up after that last transformation. well, I ain't got a lot of choice. We need to get the fuck out of Dodge. Pronto. You got that right. Are you able to make heads or tails of this place?
1: Sorta. It's like a lightning rod for misery. Though it's more fine-tuned than that. Coding for children's misery.
0: Just like it had some kind of underlying physics, huh? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Neck deep in some fresh new hell, and you still want to debate metaphysics? <laughs> I think the word is incorrigible.
0: Man's got to have hobbies. Hate to break up your little nerd convention, but I think we got ourselves company.
1: I see them. They look like little kids.
0: Just keep trucking until they make their move. The closer we can get to the exit, the better. I think the place is gearing up for another push. getting ballsier. Won't be long till they jump. Just keep going.
1: And just where do you two think you're going, huh? You're orphans, just like us. You belong
0: here. Christ, can't you pick some shit out of Shane or Illinul's heads? What, have we got a corner on the market for bad childhood memories? Who knew having a decent childhood would come in so handy? Or maybe the nether mechanical implant the silent legion gave you came with some nifty psychic shielding? You know your sisters right? You are in incor- uh, in. you're a pain in the ass. Stop stuttering and fire. Here they come.
1: Trying to roll over us, drown us in their numbers.
0: Less John and more killing. There's got to be an end to them at some point. The damn things were everywhere—pale, fanged, lid-eyed orphans—and we were running out of space fast. But worst of all, I could feel something from below, something big getting closer. Thankfully, Illenium had more tricks under those big sleeves of his. Holy shit. Well, what do you know? Illinu's got himself some mean ass tentacles. Go get them, boy. Shane wasn't kidding. Mesmer's Minder was packing hundreds of tentacles, and where he kept them, along with his bones, and I still had no idea. Some of them were barbed and hooked, others wrapped around green corkscrewing daggers, all of them uncoiling beyond the folds of his billowing cloak and whipping into the mass of little monsters, and with collectively devastating effect. Whatever kind of monster Ilanu happened to be, I sure as hell wasn't complaining, but most importantly, he bought us some time. Follow me! Something big is getting closer, and I'm pretty sure it's coming up from the bottom of the black staircase. Through one dingy, broken, toy-filled room after the next, We beat feet, and the sight certainly didn't improve as we went along. Closing on the staircase, the ensuing spaces got thoroughly claustrophobic, darker, more resistant to our flashlights. Eventually, we were running through what seemed a narrow tunnel, the walls encrusted with ruined symbols of childhood, shredded stuffed animals, headless dolls, broken training wheels, and on and on. But it was the water that really put a hitch in our giddy-up. It was trickling in through the cracks in the dark grey walls, steadily rising. Soon we were waiting and not running, and it became all but apparent that swimming was next on the agenda. You sure you know where the hell you're going? Positive. I can feel where the bulge is thinnest, where it lifts up into our reality, the black staircase. Alright, long as you're sure.
1: Hmm. The sense I'm getting from the place, what my ability to dream reek can decipher, is that the themes are changing. Or maybe even converging into something larger, an overarching theme.
0: Christ, the current's getting awful strong. Everyone take a deep breath. I think we're... Before we knew it, we were underwater, the current strong and insistent, plunging us through what looked like a massive length of corroded metal piping... Finally coming out the other side of the thing, we found ourselves adrift in a liquid gray void, and we weren't alone. Consistent with the walls of the previous tunnels, the spaces around us were dotted with the cast-off shapes of misery. Although now, they weren't as thematically limited to a child's despair, but to sorrow in general. Baubles of every conceivable sadness drifted and tumbled within the unrelenting gray. Yellowed party hats, billowing obituary pages, tattered funeral attire, and what couldn't float tumbled from above. Tarnished wedding rings, dirty syringes, cracked family portraits, and more all fell past us as we struggled through the liquid misery. I knew Romy and me were proof against drowning, at least for the immediate future, but I wasn't sure about the other two. In short order, the question was answered at least as far as Ilanul was concerned. Our monstrous traveling companion shot past me like he was born to the water, moving about in the manner of a squid, tentacles swept back behind his huge cloak. I caught a brief suggestion of a shape as he sped through the gray, a massive prominence of muscular, pallid flesh. In an instant, Ilanul had us all in his collective corded grip, pulling us upward. (laughs) <laughs> Goddamn this here fucking place. I hate getting wet, and I hate almost drowning even more. And thank Christ for you, Illinois. That's three times you done pulled my fat out of the fire. I'll take that for, uh, you're welcome.
1: My God, will you look at this place?
0: We were afloat in a sea of endless gray. And while its waters seemed to project infinitely before and behind us, along its distant edges were moldering plaster walls of a slightly darker gray. They climbed crookedly into the stale air, eventually merging with a cracked and sagging ceiling of the same color, a peeling plaster sky that loomed miles above our heads. And lastly, suspended from the decaying firmament, casting grubby light like a dollar store sun, was a gigantic light bulb fixed to the end of a naked wire. Taken together, the sights revealed a boundless sea trapped in a room of equally endless melancholy. I hate to rain on your parade, Chief, but I don't see no staircase hereabouts. Don't worry, Chief. It's here. It starts out in that wall way over there.
1: Illinois, you think you could swim us over there? Sure be a lot quicker than all of us dog paddling. I guess I'll take that for a yes.
0: With all of us back in his collective grip, Illinois sliced through the drab water, the bizarre details of the wall coming into focus as we drew nearer. The thing was shot through with large, corroded drainage pipes, all leaking more artifacts of despair into the quiet, gray sea. But, like the pipeline we just come out, There was a distinctly bleak theme to the objects that tumbled from each respective conduit. Funerary objects from one, divorce papers from another. As if these were all smaller tributaries of sadness that converged to feed a much larger body of water, a great big grey sea of despair. We were only a few minutes from the staircase when something massive erupted from the desolate waters. What the hell is that?
1: It's a gigantic gray balloon on a string.
0: Watch it. Here comes another one. Them things is like three times bigger than a hot air balloon. One behemoth balloon after the next exploded out of the gray waters. All of them looking like they just escaped from some underwater circus. Ah, shit. Hear those footsteps? It's just like back in Maros, when the Night Christ's other half tried to waltz out from the bottom of the Bolgia.
1: Water's getting rough real fast.
0: Gotta pick it up a notch, Illinois. Hit the gas. After a large wave crashed down, Pushing us all under, I took a gander down into the grey guts of the dismal waters, to see, despite myself, what exactly was walking up from the bottom of the sea. Romy by my side, her glowing eyes painting the depths in brightest blue, I scanned for the source of the monstrous footsteps. The farthest rays of her light brushed against a giant wall, its smooth construction appearing pale and slightly convex. I couldn't imagine what it was until it shifted upward, revealing the whited sclera of a mammoth, sightless eye. The realization dawned on me. A giant dark pupil shot from below the eyelid. Nearly gasping a lung full of water, I felt Romy's hand clutch my own as it fixed us with a hideous glare. Then it blinked, sending out a wave so strong it pushed us back above the water. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. In sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anselon. Be sure to check us out at www.meltopia.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. If you want unique art and animations of Maltopia's stories, visit our YouTube page or click on the link in the show notes. If you're a fan and want to help the show grow, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And for more exclusive content such as additional lore, stories, and art, be sure to check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash